The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you once again for joining the Reardon Clinic Real Health Podcast. And I'm Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey. I'm the Chief Medical Officer here. And today, it's my pleasure to have Dr. Teresa Apkova with us to speak a little bit about the microbiome, uh, which is a fascinating topic that she knows a lot about. I wanted to give her a chance, though, to to tell, tell us a little bit about her background. Dr. Abkova, thank you so much for being on our program. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege. You're in Kansas City at Advent Health. That's right, yeah. I came to Kansas City about two years ago from Massachusetts. Uh, I lived in Massachusetts for about 23 years. Um, initially, I came to Massachusetts from Czech Republic. You probably can detect my accent. After medical school in Czech Republic, I just wanted to live somewhere else and see how people live in other countries. And so I came to Framingham, Massachusetts. I did my residency in internal medicine there. Um, and then I worked as a primary care physician for about six years, uh, seeing people from the least fortunate uh, demographics, very, very poor population. Uh, then I worked as a hospitalist for a few years, including working in the ICU and CCU. Um, and then I was very fortunate that I found a position at Canyon Ranch Spa in Lenox, Massachusetts, where I really could do the type of medicine that I am really passionate about, which is helping people be healthier with less medications and more healthy lifestyle. And that um, was really wonderful experience for me. But after, yeah, sorry, after 10 years of being at Canyon Ranch, I was kind of itchy to, to try to open something similar somewhere else. And that's why I um, was intrigued to come to Kansas City and start an integrative medical center completely from scratch uh, for Advent Health. That's, that's great. Boy, that's quite a journey. It's interesting, though, uh, where we kind of share paths is that I went into medical school with the intention of helping people be healthier and to help them seek uh, greater wellness. And it was kind of a shocking surprise that, that the whole concept of health improvement mm -hmm. is not as big in conventional medicine as most people would think. Did, did, did you have that same experience or, or were you interested in health and wellness before you went to medical school or did this something, was this something that developed later? Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when I became interested in wellness. You know, I think I came from a family who was pretty healthy. And I think in Czech Republic, overall, people 
are more active physically and maybe know a little bit more about herbs and foraging for mushrooms and things like that. But um, I probably became more interesting, interested in wellness during my medical school. My medical school in Czech Republic was oriented much more on prevention than um, my understanding of American medical schools. We actually had lectures on nutrition. We had lectures on probiotics way back then in the Czech Republic. So I kind of became interested in that already during my medical school. But then when I started residency um, in internal medicine, um, that was completely absent from my residency. We had no education on uh, nutrition, on healthy lifestyle. It was really missing. And when I then went to practice to be a primary care physician, I, I, I became completely disillusioned that I had to see 40, 50 patients a day and kind of quickly dispatch quick band-aids for their medical issues without really having enough time to dive into their health and try to figure out the root cause, which oftentimes is in our lifestyle. Oftentimes it is in poor nutrition or lack of sleep or lack of self-care. Um, so um, yeah, I became disillusioned by medicine very quickly. And uh, I started going to different conferences around the uh, United States to learn more about herbs and learn more about functional medicine and integrative medicine and this and that. I, I'm kind of a perpetual student. <laughs> and um, I was very lucky that I didn't found a place like Canyon Ranch where I could actually practice that type of medicine. Yeah, I think the uh, the whole emergence of wellness as a as a concept and as a something that did fit into uh, at least in family medicine for me, we I was in a family medicine practice, and we realized that uh, if we could help our patients get proper nutrition. Mm -hmm. proper exercise, sleep, stress management, become more aware of their environment. This was the beginning of the uh, wellness movement. And uh, I think more and more people now are seeing that this has kind of been the missing piece in modern medicine. And so the term integrative medicine has emerged that we're integrating uh, illness care and wellness care together. And so we hope that we can create a stronger uh, discipline of, of, of medicine for our, for our patients. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so uh, let's just dive in here. You know, I, I was just, while you were speaking, I, ha I couldn't help but think that, you know, when I was in medical school, I don't think I even had heard the word probiotic, let mm -hmm. alone microbiome. So can you tell me kind of how did uh, this nomenclature develop? And then this is uh, by way of helping, helping our audience understand what is the microbiome and how does, why is this so darn important for our health? Yeah, yeah. Probiotics are basically the beneficial bacteria. So pro is for, bios is life. So probiotics are basically bacteria that are giving us benefit to be healthier uh, and feel better. And uh, we have a lot of bacteria and even viruses and fungi and other microscopic creatures that live everywhere in our body. We have them mostly in the gut. Uh, that's like a perfect environment for them because they get free meal deliveries <laughs> three times a day or sometimes more. It's kind of nice and warm. So it's a perfect house for them. 
but we really have microbes everywhere else in our body. We have microbes in our mouth and they can, certain microbes can contribute to dental issues or uh, dental plaques. Um, we have bacteria, women have bacteria in their vaginal canal. And when they have healthy microbiome in the vaginal canal, those women are actually less likely to contract sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV. Uh, we have bacteria everywhere on our skin, you know, and there'll be different microbes in the scalp and different maybe on your back or uh, in your armpits. Um, and maybe that's why different skin conditions uh, happen in different areas of our body. So we are kind of a home for trillions and trillions of microbes. And the collective of all these microbes and their genes is sometimes called microbiome. So it's like the collection of all the microbes and their genetic material. You know, the big shift is that uh, I think growing up, uh, we would have called this germs. <laughs> these were bad guys. They they would hurt us. And so we, we needed <laughs> to wash our hands and, uh, you know, when we went into the hospital, even, you know, you go into a patient's room, you know, you have to put them the, the antimicrobial gel on your hands and make sure you're not spreading germs around. And yet this seems kind of the opposite that these germs are now being looked at, I guess, in the right composition, mm -hmm. they are our friends and they help us to maintain good health. Uh, what has happened here? Why, uh, and how do, uh, one other little thing, how do, you know, uh, you know, it's not unusual for doctors to prescribe antibiotics, you know, mm. often. And so are these having an effect upon these friendly germs? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. You know, these microbes have evolved with us for millions of years. They have been part of our history forever. And so they live in a symbiotic relationship with us. They, we benefit from them and they benefit from us. We feed them, we give them house, we give them transportation in a way, and they do a lot of good things in return. So for instance, the good bacteria, they produce many vitamins in our body. In our gut, they produce B vitamins, they produce vitamin K2, which is important to direct calcium into our bones so we wouldn't have fractures. Um, they, they produce many anti-inflammatory substances. Uh, they protect us from even things like colon cancer. Uh, they produce something called short-chain fatty acids, which are really signals that travel everywhere around your body, including to your brain, and may even affect your ability to learn, to to have good memory, good mood, energy. I mean, they have just profound, profound effect on entire body from head to toe. Uh, but in a way, these good microbes want to live in a good neighborhood. So they don't want you to get bad microbes. So they produce their own antibiotics. They produce their own antiviral compounds. They produce their own antifungal compounds against bad yeast. So if you have good microbes living in your body, they are protecting you from the enemies. They want to live in a good neighborhood. It's almost as if there is only a certain amount of seeds in on a train. If your intestine was like a long, long train, it just has certain amount of seeds. And if the seeds are occupied by the good microbes, you are less likely to get uh, 
in trouble with some infection, like E. coli or salmonella or something of that sort. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Biocenter Laboratories. The Biocenter Laboratory provides state-of-the-art lab testing and diagnostic services for healthcare providers, laboratories, hospitals, and the general public. Lab tests available through Biocenter include a comprehensive list of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, hormones, and pyrroles. They also provide a variety of standardized tests for disease markers. These markers include cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid dysfunction, hormone imbalance, and more. Visit biocenterlab.org to learn more. The other part of that is that these microbes have their own uh, DNA and their own, I guess you'd say, information system. And there are people that are talking about how they enhance our ability to sort through all of the otherwise potentially harmful uh, environmental things that we can come in contact with. And so we actually rely upon the uh, information in their DNA to help us stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. They have vastly more genes than our own human genes. We only have about 23,000 genes in our human body, and the microbes may have 100 times more. So absolutely, we cannot be without them. And this is now surfacing because, as you mentioned, as we have kind of been ignorant and giving people antibiotics like candy each time somebody would develop a sore throat or earache, uh, in the past, we would treat them very easily with antibiotics. And now we recognize that, yes, antibiotic can get rid of a bad microbe like strep, if you have strep throat or if you have pneumonia, but there is always collateral damage. And unfortunately, antibiotics also kill uh, these good friendly bacteria. So each time you take a antibiotic, you're dropping a bomb on your microbiome and there is gonna be a consequence. And um, it may take uh, weeks, few weeks, or even a few months to recover from a course of antibiotics. Some people may take even two years to recover from a course of antibiotics. And um, this is even more important in children, little children especially, whose microbiome is still not completely fully developed. So if they are given antibiotics in the first year of life, it will affect them negatively much, much more than uh, if they took antibiotic in adulthood. So basically each course of antibiotic wipes out a portion of the good microbiome. And then paradoxically, uh, those children or adults would be more prone to next infection. Because part of the role of the good bacteria is that they talk constantly to our immune system. And 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So the friendly probiotic microbes are kind of fine tuning constantly your immune system. So the immune system stays on its toes and it's ready to fight infection, but it also is uh, regulated so it doesn't fight food. <laughs> so you wouldn't have unnecessary food allergies or food sensitivities or even autoimmune diseases. So the microbiome is absolutely crucial for a proper function of your immune system. And the more antibiotics we are exposed to, the more we damage this. And then we are having more infections, more allergies, 
and uh, more uh, propensity towards autoimmune diseases. Oh. Uh, where do we get the microbiome? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we basically inherited from our moms when we are born. You know, childbirth is messy. Um, when a baby is born as nature intended, and that would be through vaginal canal. So as the baby is born, it's messy. The baby swallows some of the vaginal fluid. It gets in the baby's ears, nose, uh, lungs. They breathe it in. Um, they swallow it. So they kind of get inoculated with the microbiome from mom's vaginal fluid. And that has a lot of the beneficial bacteria from the mom's intestines. So this messiness is part of nature. It's meant to be. That's how babies get jump-started with their mom microbiome. And uh, their mom got her microbiome from her mom. And she got it from her mom. And she got it from her mom. So we basically were inheriting microbiome of our ancestors really for thousands and thousands and millions of years until now, until now, until this past, these past few decades, when we started messing with that by C-sections. So that is already one big change that more and more children are born by C-section in a sterile surgical suite where everything is sterilized. And when the baby doesn't go through the vaginal canal, and it's instead kind of taken out through surgery, um, it doesn't get exposed to mom's microbiome. And instead, it gets exposed to the skin microbes. And what more, it gets exposed to the microbes of the hospital staff, of the nurses, not necessarily the best bacteria to start your life with. So C-section, unfortunately, um, can have consequences on the baby's microbiome that can sometimes last really for the rest of the child's life. And then breastfeeding is very important. Breast milk contains not only nutrients for the baby, breast milk contains nutrients for the baby's microbiome. It contains certain oligosaccharides. They are kind of like starchy molecules that the baby cannot digest. They are not there for the baby. They are there by design for the microbes in the baby's belly. So breastfeeding is absolutely hugely important. And I don't know about you, Dr. Ron, but when I was a child, my mom was told that it was better to bottle feed. So she believed the doctor. Fed. I yeah. was bottle fed and I have allergies. And so everything you're yeah. saying, I, could, I can relate to from personal experience. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners, they're thinking, oh my gosh, now... Now, there mm -hmm. has been a movement in, in the last 10, 20 years for more natural births and uh, for uh, nursing, uh, breastfeeding. And so we do see that there's a, a kind of wake up occurring where, where people are realizing that we do need to, uh, in a sense, take care of, nurture this nurturing process that nature has uh, built into the birthing process. Yeah. Uh, do you do you feel like the message is getting out there? I'm, I've heard there still are a lot of there's a very high C-section rate uh, in the yeah. United States and around the world. Yeah, I think one out of three children in the U.S. are still born by C-section. One out of three, you know, and in some countries like China and Brazil, it's as much as 56 percent. So it's it's really shocking that the message still needs to be heard. You know, and every now and then when I when I speak about this, some moms get offended, you know, that um, that they gave birth by C-section. 
And if it was necessary, if it's medically necessary, then of course, you know, sometimes C-section can save life. But really, in all honesty, oftentimes the C-sections are done for comfort, whether it's the comfort of the doctor or for some other not really completely necessary reason. I have one of my best friends from medical school is a gynecologist, an obstetrician in Czech Republic. And I asked her uh, some years ago how many C-sections she has done in her career. And she gave birth. I mean, she gave birth. She delivered. (laughs) She delivered thousands of babies, over 5,000 babies. And I asked her how many C-sections she did. And I thought she would give me percentage, you know, maybe 10% or 20% or something of that sort. But instead, she started counting on on her fingers how many C-sections. Uh-huh. And she has maybe done just 12 C-sections out of, chill, uh, out of thousands of deliveries. So it's really a um, cultural decision. It's not medical necessity uh, often. And it's a, it's a sad decision because then it has consequences for the children. It's not like don't panic, you know, it's not like you cannot to some degree overcome the C-section later on if the ch- child is breastfed and if the child is eating healthy diet and is in a good environment, hopefully they'll catch up. But the sad, the sad truth that that's often not the case. Oftentimes the diet of our children is full of artificial ingredients, uh, sugar, it really can be lacking nutrients. Um, oftentimes their life is stressful and stress uh, damages our intestinal microbiome. Lack of exercise is not good for the microbiome. Lack of sleep is not good for the microbiome. So we end up doing a lot of things in our life that kind of continue to damage uh, the gut microbiome, including exposure to antibiotics, not necessarily just by prescription, but we get exposed to a lot of antibiotics in our food. Uh, They are in the burger that we eat or the chicken that gets on our plate because antibiotics are so often given to the animals um, that end up on our plate. So um, that's a big problem. And then pesticides. (laughs) Pesticides act kind of like antibiotics. So as we spray our crops and then we eat them, we are basically damaging our gut microbiome on a daily basis. And now we see the consequences of all the epidemics of allergies, autoimmune diseases, asthma, uh, even heart disease, obesity, diabetes. Now we know that even these epidemics have something to do with our gut microbiome, mental health problems, depression. It, it, everything has something to do with our microbiome. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I was just thinking about glyphosate or Roundup. It was actually the uh, patent on it it was patented as an antibiotic. And when it didn't sell very well, then it, it was turned into uh, something to be sprayed on the crops. And so uh, that's a whole big story. You know what? I think we have more to talk about here. And I think this part of our, our presentation needs to come to an end, unfortunately, but I hope our listeners will come back again because what I would like to do part two of Dr. Hupkova's uh, presentation on the microbiome is how can we fix our microbiome? I'll bet you so many people listening saying, oh my gosh, we're, we're in such deep trouble. <laughs> what can we do to optimize the, uh, uh, the functioning and health of our microbiome? So uh, Dr. Hupkova, thank you for, for this wonderful introduction. And I hope you'll join me again and we'll do part two of uh, healing the microbiome. 
Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to being here again. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.